Hi, I'm Jake Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time and Happy New Year, the first NL Full-Time of 2020. And joining me to look over it is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hi, hello. And we also have Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hi there, Luke. Hi, Rob. Are you okay? Yeah, well, as you can tell, we're all a bit um, hoarse and talking a bit weirder than normal because we had our NL Full-Time belated Christmas drinks meet-up on Saturday evening, so uh, this podcast may take uh, a funny turn. Oh, we might actually talk some sense for once. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> you speak for yourself, Luke. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fair to say. Uh, as the host, I drank the most, so there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks to uh, for Chris Pratt for uh, getting me home as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. We'll look now at the National League, and it was seventh heaven for Barrel. They had a fantastic win over Ebsley. Now, Wayne Rooney's made the headlines over the last week or so because he, he's made his debut for Derby County, but it was his brother John who made the headlines on Saturday. Barrow winning by seven goals to nil against Ebsley and a John Rooney hat-trick, Rob, and they just keep flying and we keep saying that, you know, they're doing really well, but do you think this kind of does send a statement out because they dispatched one of the bottom teams quite comfortably? I'm not sure, to be honest. I think... Um... I think every every three points is difficult to come by in the National League and there were kind of different circumstances here with this one. They did get themselves an early lead through Tom White. He's a great signing, by the way. Um, or loan signing, anyway. And then relatively early in that game, Jack King got sent off for Ebsley. And I think Barrow just went on to show how ruthless they could be in that situation with Rooney bagging a hat-trick and Quigley getting two more. I mean, the pair of them now have got 31 league goals between them. Quigley leads the goal-scoring charts in the National League with 17 and Rooney up to, to 14. It's uh, quite incredible. Uh, so they really did put um, Ebsfleet to the sword. And uh, Ebsfleet, who, uh, you know, they've been making a fist of things a little bit of late, but uh, that defeat really will leave them uh, down in the dumps and down at the wrong end of the uh, National League table. Yeah, and they were also helped Barrow by Bromley losing at Notts County and Yeovil drawing nil-nil with Solihull. We'll get on to Bromley first because they had a man sent off. They were they were level for a while through Michael Cheek, although the sending off of Chris Bush came late on. That's a bit of a blow, but another good result for Notts County on the flip side. Yeah, it is. From Bromley's point of view, I can't believe how much football Chris Bush will be missed. I think he's just come back from his last suspension. Uh, it's definitely at least his second, if not his third, red card of the season. So things not really working out so well for them. After two good, sound home wins, probably, with clean sheets as well, they uh, came unstuck against a good Notts County side yesterday. And uh, Notts County's move up the table starting to look ominous this time. They came before and fell away, but this time they're up to fifth. They've got a game in hand on the three sides above them. And whilst there's still a decent gap to Barrow, nine points, they, and they've played a game more, they really are surging up the table. They're looking a real good bet now for the playoffs, at least Notts County. Uh, and possibly, if Barrow lose a little bit of momentum, if they fall away a little bit, then uh, Notts County will surely be one of the teams breathing down their neck. Yeah, that man, Wes Thomas, scoring again for Notts County. And for Yeovil, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it, Rob? Because although they drew nil-nil at home to Solihull Moors, we know how tough Solihull Moors uh, to score against. So, on reflection, I'm guessing Darren Sarrell will see that as a good point. Uh, I don't know. It's a difficult one. It depends how you look at it. If you look at the uh, just purely the size of the clubs, you know, Yeovil fans will be turning up to that one expecting a home win. But they won't be daft. They'll know just how difficult to score against them and to beat Solihull Moors can be. Um, I think probably both managers uh, in that one will find some positives in the clean sheet they got against another decent... Uh, sort of top seven National League side, but there'll probably be some frustration too that they weren't able to take all three points, particularly from, from Yeovil, because uh, a couple more points would have kept them within two of Barrow, as it is now, they're three behind, oh, sorry, uh, one, within one of Barrow, as it is now, they're, they're three behind and they played two more games. Bouncing up into third place are Harrogate, who are on an absolute flyer at the minute, and they won again, on Saturday, they went at home to Maidenhead, who ended up with nine men in the end. I suppose the only disappointment for Simon Weaver in that game will be that they didn't score more goals against Maidenhead, although Connor Hall got the winner for them on the hour mark. Do you know what? I don't think he'd be too bothered. Uh, three points and a clean sheet will do any manager any day of the week, whatever position they're in. 
table and Harrogate now go top of the form guide in the National League won five of their last six now and uh, they've finally gone up a place they've been on this winning run uh, and continually been stuck in fourth place but now they're up to third they're level on points level on games with Yeovil and uh, yeah a word again for the man from Sydney it's just like myself Connor Hall um, I always deliver to him and he always seems to deliver for Harrogate now I'm going to have to knock on his door fetch him out and have a little chat with him at some point well done Connor Hall who's not only establishing himself at this level uh, one higher than he was playing last season but uh, starting to weigh in with the odd key goal or two for Harrogate uh, albeit that he plays at the back yeah, the security cameras at Connor Hall's house have just been uh, just been installed to, to so they can spot when Rob's coming and not answer the door. Chesterfield, we'll move to the bottom in Chesterfield. They part company with John Sheridan this week. It's not a massive surprise, is it, guys, in the end? But they got a vital win under the caretaker management of John Pemberton, who most recently was at Kidderminster Harris' as manager. I think the... The timing of uh, John Sheridan's departure has probably been the only thing that um, there's been any debate around. I think we've probably all felt that a parting of the ways was going to come at some point, but it was just when it was going to happen. But uh, yeah, a fine result for them yesterday, and then that, uh, whether that enhances John Pemberton's chances of actually wanting the job permanently. I think he was at Chesterfield before, before he went to Kidderminster, and has obviously gone back there, and I think he's well thought of, but... Um, I think whoever's take, whoever takes over the job there, they've they've got a real task on their hands. Uh, John Pemberton obviously went to Kidderminster. It didn't really work out for him. He, it, maybe not all of his own doing there, but he'll be hoping to have a, a second successful spell at Chesterfield. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously he wasn't at the game, didn't see the highlights or anything either, but uh, for Chesterfield, sometimes when there's been such a prolonged period of pressure on them as a team, on the club, on the manager... That's released when a decision's made. There's a, there's a feeling of relief. So um, I'm not sure how much credit's down to Pemberton. He'll be delighted with that as a, a start as a caretaker manager. But no surprise, really, that the players were probably themselves kind of freed up, released to go and express themselves. And, you know, that, that, that's no mean feat right now, beating Sutton United, who, uh, you know, are one of the best form teams in the National League, absolutely flying under Matt Gray and uh, they've been sort of pegged back a little bit there from, from what was starting to look like a playoff push for them. Um, just while we're on Sutton United, I have to mention one of the absolute stalwarts of the National League has uh, announced that he's uh, hanging up his boots now. He was in a player-coach role for Sutton this season, but Jamie Collins, who's uh, served Sutton United and uh, served football very, very well for many years, a bit of a colossus at the back. Um, he's retired and a uh, very happy retire- retirement to, to Jamie Collins. Yeah, the penalty king for Sutton. He never really missed one, did he? I think even in that great FA Cup run, he had a couple of pressure penalties and he bagged them with ease in the end. The last playoff place was taken up by Boreham Wood, who are another team absolutely fine. They played Stockport, who were in close proximity to them in the table. They leapfrog Stockport. They had a fantastic 3-1 win at Edgeley Park, and we, we spoke to Chris last night, and he was absolutely purring over Boreham Wood. They, they won the game in the first half, two goals from Tyrone Marsh, and that man Kabango Shimanga scoring again before Devante Rodney pulled a goal back for Stockport County. And after the game, Chris caught up with a delighted Boreham Wood manager, Luke Garrard. I'm delighted to say I've got Luke Garrard with me after... Uh Boronwood's 3-1 win here at Stockport County. Luke, um, 3-0 up at half-time. That was some first half, wasn't it? Yeah, I think close to probably being the best 45 minutes in my tenure. It was well-drilled, organised. They had the shot from Palmer, or Keeney it was, sorry, the sixth. There's just whistled past the far post. And if it goes in, you have to applaud it because there's some strike. I don't really think they caused us a threat. We caused them quite a few. Uh, even though you could question the two goals that went in from the goalkeeper. Um, but... Look, I think our forward play, our runs forward within 10, our countering was very good and very productive and I felt that we was worthy of a 3-0 lead. I mean, you didn't stop after that first goal as well. Um, getting first goal in the first two minutes is, is fantastic. Do you change anything then or do you just keep going? The idea is to continue to try and dictate the play and make sure you're, it's your authority on the game as opposed to them. To score in the second minute, a way to stop Port, does kind of nullify the supporters, which is massive. I say to the group, when we go to these big clubs, because they are a big club, very impressed with the stadium, very impressed with the support, very impressed with Jim Gannon and the work that he's doing, you need to make sure that you impart your game plan, you, you make sure that you're the ones that are dictating the play and you can 
slow it down, quicken it up when you're in possession of the football and you're sort of having a large share of the game. And I felt that we didn't take our foot off the gas after scoring in the second minute. We went again and again and again and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Now, I haven't checked the league tables, but I reckon you're probably back in the playoffs now. You intend to stay there for the rest of the season? Listen, we intend to stay there, of course. We've given ourselves an outside chance. We're a, a small team in a big league in terms of support, in terms of potentially budget, but infrastructure are very good. Chairman and CEO are very productive and trying to progress with regards to signings for me. So this support network's fantastic. And we're trying to get two in the building to aid what we're doing and enhance what this group's already done. It's going to be a funny points return to be in the top seven because teams are taking points off each other. And you see it's probably going to be the largest amount of points to not get relegated. So we just need to continue doing what we're doing. Um, we're 11 unbeaten now. We're 21 points from 11 games. If you were to say that you went and got two points a game from 46 games, you're 92 points, which you're winning the league. So we're currently in championship form with the 11 games. I normally say to the boys, part that. I'll enjoy it for a bit because we don't have a game next week. We'll be getting a lot of work into this group in the next 10, 12 days. Reason being is we need to make sure that we're coming out of this period not lazy, not sloppy, not disengaged in being away from a match. I need to make sure this group's chomping at the bit, ready to go to Solihull, and that's going to be a tough, tough time. What I love watching today, you, you live every ball, don't you? You kick every ball, you're involved in every minute of the game. Is that normal? Is that the type of manager you are? It's horrible, isn't it? I've got to be honest, I'm sitting here now, or standing here now with you, and I'm talking, and you'll love to have a beer with me. I've got two beautiful kids and a lovely wife. People assume that I am that guy off the pitch, but for whatever reason it is, I get taken over by a demon because I am passionate, um, I am hungry, I have ambitions and desires myself, and I, I need to impart some of my enthusiasm onto the group and at times it's a detriment to me but I don't think I'm going to change um, I've been likened to Klopp because he goes and gets involved in everything and like I said the older I get the less of a mortgage I have to pay I probably calm down and might sit and watch my team because for 45 minutes it would have been nice to be a spectator to enjoy a game of football unfortunately you live, drink and sleep the game being the manager well played today. Thank you, mate. And that was Luke Garrard. And, and Rob, we were joking about it last night. I don't think we ever interviewed Luke Garrard after after they've won a game. So he's pretty honest and and, and gives up his time even when they've not won. So he, he was cock a hoop yesterday. Yeah, you could hear it in his voice. I mean, 11 matches unbeaten is fantastic at any level. It's very, very hard to do in the National League. Of course, Barrow and Borenwood both now 11 games uh, unbeaten. I'm going to beg to differ before Tom does. I'm pretty sure that Tom interviewed Luke Garrard after Borenwood had won 4-0 at Sutton one time. Um, I, I might be wrong on that, but um, in his absence, I'm going to say we did. But no, he's always engaging and he always throws you a good couple of lines. He's, uh, he's good media is Luke Garrard and uh, he's starting to get it together. And, and when you put things in perspective and you look at the size of the club as they are, for them to be... You know, Pushing on two-thirds of the way through the season, sat in a playoff position is, a, is an excellent achievement. And one of the main reasons for that is quite simply that they've got two strikers who are quite prolific, two strikers well into double figures. Now, Kabongo, Shimango with 14, and uh, Tyrone Marsh with 12. Yeah, Kabongo, Shimango will have some... I think he'll have some admiring glances. That they'll, they'll maybe struggle, do you think, to keep hold of Shimango during this January transfer window? I don't know, is the honest answer. Um... I would imagine that he's he's pretty happy and settled, but he's also an ambitious player as well as proved by the the movie made in the uh, in the summer. Um, there is a lot of chats coming up quite a few times in conversations with I have have with people at the moment. Uh, young players can get on a good run, and often people are calling for them to to jump up again another level quite quickly. And it doesn't always prove to be the best move, does it? Um, I think he should certainly see out the season at uh, Borenwood and then and then see what's in store from him. I, 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 what I don't recall is uh, if he's on a longer contract than one year. I suspect he probably is. I think there's a few Borenwood players on uh, two-year or 18-month contract. Indeed. Good win for Woking 1-0. Dave Tarpey with a goal there. That was against Charlie, but that defeat for Charlie leaves him eight points adrift now at the bottom. If you look at the season as a whole, they have had plenty. Woking, of course, winning eight of their first nine matches in the National League, but that's only their second in the last six, and that'll be a welcome relief to them. They were starting to drop down the table, and as that is, that just keeps them in touch with the playoffs. A remarkable achievement, particularly given that uh, 
manager Alan Dowson uh, was pretty animated after the last defeat mm. um, and was talking about wholesale changes. It was a big day yesterday for Woking players to uh, try and prove themselves and cement their place in the team and obviously a number of them did do it. Yeah, it was a, it's kind of one of those, isn't it, where you win at all costs because they had a horrendous New Year's Day result against Sutton, wasn't it? I think they were 5-0 down at half-time and um, in the end it was a, a vital win for Woking. Turn our attentions now to the bottom of the table and there's only one place to start, Rob, and it, it's with yourselves. Uh, Aldershot have uh, pulled clear once again and they, they had a, a massive game against Wrexham on Saturday and that win for Aldershot puts... Them five points clear of Wrexham, who are just two points above the relegation zone. Yeah, I mean, we've got to look at this match yesterday from two different angles. Okay, um, from all the shots, it's really cemented uh, improved form of late, particularly at home, but they showed they can do it on the road as well. And I think they, from the off yesterday, looked the more confident and stable of the two sides. Uh, it was a bit of a dour start, but then the start, the chances started coming, and all the shot missed a host of them prior to taking the lead, but when they did, it was uh, a thing of beauty. Yes, again, from uh, Ethan Chisler, curling, on, curling in one from just outside the box. Uh, Mo Betema is really starting to find full fitness too, and he got the goal that uh, his performance deserved later on, having missed a couple of easier opportunities earlier on. So great work there, and believe it or not, the first back-to-back victories this season for Aldershot, coming in the 28th and 29th games for them. Um, a sustained, improved run that uh, might just be uh, leading them towards safety now. Uh, a little bit early to say. Uh, from Wrexham's point of view, well, I, I, I think as a, as a general thing, they don't tend to play that well in the matches against all the shots. Sometimes they've dug out results, but uh, it is another double for the shots. And uh, Wrexham were poor yesterday. I can't call it other way. Their fans and the commentators around me were saying exactly the same thing. They just never really got going. And... Uh, I guess it's a difficult job for Dean Keats. He's got to pull them away to safety. and Gradually, he's got to stamp his own identity on that team again. Um, from what I'm hearing, he's got good trust in, in maybe 12 or 13 of the players in the squad at the moment. But I think he's going to have to do some shipping out and moving on as well. And if yesterday's evidence was anything to go by. I was going to say, Rob, what's the atmosphere like around Wrexham? How, how did you feel? Because obviously... We, they had the statement a few weeks ago, didn't they, when he came out and backed the manager and the board of directors were almost apologetic for the situation they're in, but that'll only wash for so long, won't it? Yeah, they'd won three of their previous five matches and I sensed quite a buoyant atmosphere in the uh, race course ground as the teams came out and as the game kicked off yesterday, but it went flat very, very quickly uh, as Wrexham just looked devoid of ideas, really. Too many... Uh, it just went sort of straight through out of touch or straight through to the goalkeeper. Very little cohesion about them. They've got some good individual players. You can see that with Amari Patrick and with JJ Hooper, you know, there's pace and there's goals, but they're not quite uh, as cohesive as, as, as they probably need to be. I was impressed, as I always am, with Luke Young in the middle of the park. He's uh, a very, very good player at National League level. And... Uh, I have to say that uh, the goalkeeper, Rob Langton, had a very, very good game as well. Otherwise, it probably would have been four or five uh, for all the shots. Just, um, you know, just while we finish on this one, boys, just um, a slightly different matter and not, not so much a football in one, but um, just on a separate note, boys, um, something that was very much in our minds yesterday, certainly those connected with all the shot and I'm sure... Forest Green and Cardiff and many other clubs that the particular person I'm going to talk about played for. But uh, it was uh, with great sadness that we heard of the passing of uh, former Aldershot Town player, assistant manager and caretaker manager Chris Barker. On the train on uh, the way up to the match yesterday, I had an engaging chat with a couple of fans, particularly about that man. So I'm on the train on the way up to Wrexham with a couple of Aldershot fans, Chris Sparks and uh, his mate Ryan. And uh, we're just, talk, just talking about how shocked we are really at the um, passing of Chris Barker, former Aldershot Town player, assistant manager, caretaker manager. Um, and um, Chris, he was a real man's man, wasn't he? A real, a true gentleman. And uh, you got one or two memories of him yourself. Yeah, he came across as a, a real bloke. A, a, a great footballer for us, deservedly back-to-back player of the season. Very impressed. I remember going to Shortwood away 
a few years ago, obviously very tight to the pitch there, could hear everything, and as a young football fan watching him there, I was impressed just with the way he was speaking to the other players. It was a real eye-opener to me as to what, how real football works, and I think it's a devastating loss, and thoughts go out to his family and friends and all them. Yeah, brilliant stuff, Chris. I think my my uh, my main memories of him was just that he's one of the very few players in football I've ever seen that could genuinely get injured a match and just suck it up and carry on. I've seen him play. I've seen him go um, some sort of cramp or tightness of a calf or something or other in the first five yeah, minutes of a game at Aldershot, and he completed the ninety. It was unbelievable. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I think me and my dad were actually talking about this yesterday. I can't remember who it was, but he went down reasonably early like you say down and he got picked up from the pitch and we thought at that point that was it game over he, most players I think would have walked off but he played through and I think I don't know how the result of that was but just being able to play through it really shows how much of a character he was and how strong he was to go through that and it was sort of brilliant to watch through it was and uh, you know just for those that didn't know Chris so well obviously a, a fantastic career in football probably peaking at uh, Cardiff where, where he was living um, in his final days and he was working at Forest Green managing their uh, under 18s academy side um, in his brief stint in charge of Aldershot Town he helped them preserve their National League status or conference as I think it might have been at the time and my only other memory I can think of is um, one day he took the ball full in the face um, and was sent off for handball and I can absolute gentleman accepted it and walked off um, and that just about sums up the man that was Chris Barker, RIP Barks. That was Rob's chat with a couple of all the shot fans, Chris and Ryan. And of course, our condolences go out to the Barker family. He has not, not a lot else to say on the matter, just terribly, terribly sad. Very, very sad indeed, Luke. And as you say, apologies to listeners for getting off the subject of football. But sometimes a game of football is put into perspective by news like that. And... Uh, um, well, I said my thoughts in the piece, so I won't add to it. But all the very best to the Barker family and to those uh, dear friends of his. Down at the bottom, as we say, it is, it is pretty tight. Ebbsfleet are now five points adrift, as we mentioned, after that 7-0 defeat. But you could almost call it six because their goal difference is, is pretty terrible. Now they conceded 58 goals this season. You've got filed at the minute are in the last relegation spot. They're in FA Cup action against Sheffield United and that's they're playing as we record this podcast now so we wish them well. Hartlepool are in 17th. They played in the FA Cup on Saturday. They did take the lead through Mark Kitchen at Oxford United. It looked like they could cause an upset but ultimately the League One side went on to win that comfortably so Hartlepool can now concentrate on league matters. Dagenham and Redbridge there just above Wrexham by a point. They part company with Peter Taylor over the last week and it's not a massive surprise. Eh? They, uh, they had a nil-nil draw with Torquay on Saturday but the way it's been going and for the money that Dagenham have been spending, it, it wasn't a massive shot to see Peter Taylor go either. No, it wasn't. I think we'd uh, hinted at that. We didn't uh, quite call it in the podcast last week, but the discussion was very much about how much longer he had. Uh, Dagenham, well, it's a clean sheet and a point, and Daryl McMahon will be satisfied with that, I'm sure. But it's uh, three draws and three defeats in their last six matches, and they've dropped down the table like a stone. They're just three points clear of uh, the bottom four at the moment and so he's certainly got a job to do there down at mine but you know what I think at the level the type of club that he's gone to the part of the country that he's in I think he'll do well now I think he will bring about a revival he's got a lot of nous and experience at this level for me his appointment at Macclesfield was a strange one I think he'd been out of football for a sort of overly frustrating amount of time for him and so he took that job and uh, I'm not going to say it was a poison chalice, but obviously there were issues off the pitch at Macclesfield, which haven't got any easier or didn't get any easier um, as his time there went on. Um, but to know. be fair, Rob, he, did, he has done a fantastic job there because he kept the heads above water in terms of football. I mean, before they had the points deduction, they were comfortably sort of safe from relegation. So, I mean, people, he had a lot of money to work with at Ebbsfleet and... Uh, People say, can he do it without money? Well, he showed he did it on a, you know, on a, a tight budget at Macclesfield. So now he's got a decent budget again at Dagenham. You expect him to do a good job, don't you? Yeah, and it was that, that's probably the the good sense in the decision he made to take that Macclesfield job for two reasons. One, it got himself back into football, and he started to be known as a current rather than an ex-manager. 
Um, and secondly, you're absolutely right. That was always the objection thrown up about Darren McMahon. He'd only done it really at one club and he'd done it at a club where he'd had a really good budget. So uh, credit to him for taking that job. Um, I think nobody would uh, nobody would uh, really have a go at him for, for leaving it as he has done, perhaps other than uh, Macclesfield fans. And uh, for Dagham, I think their fans will be uh, looking forward to uh, you know his tenor um, with the experience he's got at this level and uh, yeah, point to start with, but better things to come, I'm sure, for Dagenham. Yeah, and the other the other game, the final game in the National League, it was a I'm all right, Jack, because there were two Jacks on the score sheet between Barnet and Halifax. They finished one all. Jack Redshaw opened the scoring for Halifax before that man, Jack Taylor, scored once again to get a point for Barnet, who be a bit disappointed that they didn't win at home. But again, we're talking about him, Rob Jack Taylor. Yeah, I think we're going to until he leaves this league. He's definitely on the way up. And uh, yeah, looking at the league table, really, Halifax and Barnet, I guess if there was one game that was assuming for a draw yesterday, it was, it was probably that one. They're both in upper mid-table. Both will have ambitions of uh, getting themselves uh, to, into the playoffs. They're sort of three and, and five points away as it stands. Um, and uh, we'll have to see if they can find the sustained form. For Halifax, it's been a difficult month or so, hasn't it? Looking at the form table, one win and two draws out of their last six matches. Um, And from Barnett's point of view, well, actually unbeaten in the last six games, three wins and three draws. Uh, Always difficult to score against and beat Barnett, but not always full of goals either. So now we're going to look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, they just keep going. Dickie, the Kingsland juggernaut, they really sent out a statement result on New Year's Day where they went to Boston, who hadn't lost at home all season, and they comfortably swatted them aside by three goals to nil. They faced another tough test on Saturday where they faced Spennymore, who were in decent form as well. And again, despite Stephen Brogan being sent off after 15 minutes, they, they won by three goals to nil, two goals for that man, Adam Marriott, again. And we were chatting about this last night, Dickie. They just keep rolling on and on and on. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it now. Uh, Kings Lynn are legitimate title contenders. There's no debate about that. Um, 54 points from 24 games, so that's they're averaging over two points a game. Um, I know former Telford manager Liam Watson, when he was with the club, said if you average two points a game over the season, you expect to get promoted, and that's certainly the the, the, the form that, that Kingsland are laying down. As you say, I think Boston fancy their chances of knocking him off in that double header over Christmas, but Kingsland did the double over them and say a real statement win with that 3-0 win on New Year's Day. And they followed it up with another three go- uh, three yesterday. I think that's 24 for the season for Adam Marriott now. Um, Ross Barrow's got the other goal. We ought to mention the goal scorer's name as well. But yeah, it just seems to be the Adam Marriott show there at Kings Lynn. And they just keep rolling along. Yeah, he just, uh, he's, like a, he's like a fine wine, he's Adam Marriott. The older he gets, uh, he, he, the, the better he seems to be getting, even though he's... Well, I mean... I'm not sure how old he is. I think he's late twenties, early thirties. But he's he's 29 on his next yeah. birthday. I've seen a you know a few people sort of like speculating as to whether somebody might be interested in him in the January transfer window. You know whether his his going would you know uh, be a big blow to Kingsland. But you're going to look at it realistically and think, well, if he's if he's close to 30, what move is going to appeal to him at this stage of his career? If he's happy at Kingsland, if they're flying, um, why does he want to go anywhere else? Yeah, I think 29 might be a bit harsh to say he's in the autumn of his career. We'll call it a late summer, maybe. <laughs> Four points behind in second are York. They won by two goals to nil at Southport. Uh, they meet Kingsland in a couple of weeks, so that could well be a title decider. But York, back on track with back-to-back wins now. Uh, yeah, York have had a bit of a, um, a rough time lately, considering you know the, the, how well they started the season. We do expect teams to kind of have a wobble at some point. Um, I'm sure Steve Watson will probably be hoping that, that York have had theirs and that it's over, although on a personal note, I hope it extends to next week because that's when Telford travel there. Um, yeah, the, that big game coming up with Kings Lynn in a couple of weeks' time on the 18th of January um, looks really important because Kings Lynn have got um, a game in hand on York. If if they win their game in hand and if they were to beat York, I think we spoke last night and said the gap would go out to something like 10 points. And that's a really, really big advantage at this stage of the season. Uh, two goals from Jordan Burrow yesterday helped to, to sort of like uh, get them back on track. Um, 
and York have just got to keep chipping away and just got to keep that belief that, that they can catch them. Yeah, for Southport though, it's that's four defeats on the spin now, and it's very sort of Unley and Watson like. I mean, they were doing brilliantly. They were really putting pressure on Chester and, and a little bit on York, but they've had a bad Christmas period, haven't they? They have. I think they and Bradford Park Avenue, I think, are the two teams who didn't collect a single point over the Christmas and New Year period in the four games played. And you really wouldn't have expected that from Southport as much as, you know, they had a home and away Boxing Day, New Year's Day fixtures with Chester, which were always going to be difficult. Um, then I think they lost at Altrincham and then a, 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 another defeat again yesterday, four games, a goal difference of minus 11 from that. And I don't think anybody would have seen such a poor return for them. And, and they've dropped out of the playoff places as a result of that. Yeah, in third place, uh, Chester, they got back to winning ways. They, they've had a bit of an up and down Christmas, but they won by a goal to nil at Geisley. Good result for them because Geisley have been on a decent run a farm and Brackley are just a point behind but with a game in hand on Chester in, in fourth position uh, they won 1-0 at Telford so two solid 1-0 away wins for Chester and Brackley Yes it was a goal for James Jones at uh, Geisley won it for, for Chester um, and that's a good result for them anything you know three points in a clean sheet as Rob said a little earlier what manager is going to be unhappy with that um, especially this stage of the season and at and we we have to mention that how heavy the schedule's been over the Christmas and New Year period as well. To still grind out a result like that at, at this stage, um, you know, Anthony Johnson and Bernie Moore would be absolutely thrilled with that, I'm sure. Um, Kevin Wilkin probably felt exactly the same about a 1-0 win for Brackley at Telford yesterday. Brackley were as Brackley always are, really. They uh, came, they uh, had a lot of possession, they frustrate, not in a... Um, uh, not against the laws of the game or anything. No, I don't mean that in any in any way at all. But you know they're just a really really difficult side to break down. Got a goal from Leon Love just after the half hour mark, and then Telford did try their best in the second half. A, a couple of opportunities, one particularly late on from Matt Stenson, which he headed straight at the goalkeeper. But yeah, Brackley did enough. Yeah, they came, they saw, they conquered. I thought you were going to say then, which they did a little bit. <laughs> Really, really solid performance. Um, you know, Telford had a really good run over Christmas themselves. They were unbeaten in the four games up to yesterday, but I think Brackley were just that little bit too hard a hurdle for that fifth game yesterday for Telford. They have to start again and tr- look to try and build another run at York next week. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Spennymore, they stay in fifth position because they lost at Kingsland, as we mentioned earlier. Right on the heels are Boston, who, as we mentioned, they had two defeats against Kingsland over the Christmas period. But they got back to winning ways with a hard-fought victory at Bradford Park Avenue. And then another team on 37 points are Farsley. And just below them are Southport, also on 37 points. Really tight between that fifth and eighth position there. Farsley surprisingly lost 1-0 at Kettering, although is it a surprise? Kettering have been doing really, really well recently. Well, I've got the form table open in front of me and Kettering, um, apart from their FA Trophy exit, Kettering just one defeat in the 10 games since Paul, Cooks, Paul Cox took over. Um, and they are fifth in the form table over the last 10 games, 17 points from their last 30. And and all of a sudden, they looked like they're well clear of the bottom of the table. So he's done a, a terrific job there. So, yeah, maybe not as much of a surprise as we would think. Um, you mentioned Spennymore there. They've had a, a poor Christmas. They've lost three of their last four, and it'll always rankle with their fans to lose local derbies. And they lost to Darlington. They lost to Gateshead. They did get revenge over Darlington on New Year's Day with a 3-1 win. But, but that's put a little bit of a dent in things for them. Boston got a really, really good start at Bradford Park Avenue yesterday. Early goal from Dominic Knowles. Nicky Clear, who's returned to Bradford uh, under Mark Bauer. He was at Ashton United earlier in the season. He scored, uh, equalised, but then probably tale of woe that, that is Bradford Park Avenue season at the moment. They conceded again within a minute. Simon Ainge, I think, was a former teammate of, of Bradford boss uh, Mark Bauer when they were at Guiseley together. He scored the winning goal on 39 minutes and yeah, there were no further goals in the second half and, and Bradford pointless over the Christmas and New Year period. Yeah, we chatted last week, Dickie, with Chris, uh, saying, are Bradford and Blythe gone? Uh, Bradford, well, look as though they are, they're only on 12 points. And Chris said, well, we can't really see any way back for them. But they'd won on Boxing Day at Gateshead. They drew and came from 3-1 down against Gateshead to draw 3-3 
on New Year's Day, and then they got a fantastic win at Kidderminster on Saturday, and all of a sudden, they're three points behind Curzon Ashton, who who lost again on Saturday. Yes, uh, there certainly does appear to be hope for Blythe Spartans, which I don't think anybody would have credited had they seen them earlier in the season. Um, I was unfortunate enough to be present at their first victory, and they got that over Telford, unfortunately. Yeah, they, they've done really well since then. Five wins now to their credit, so they've picked up a few more. Um, we know they've hung on to the services of Callum Roberts, and whether that will be tested during the January transfer window, we don't know. But a really, really fine win for them yesterday. Uh, a Lewis Hawkins goal for a 1-0 win away at Kidderminster. Um, so, yeah, a lot of travelling and a, and a hard schedule, but Bly Spartans showed that they've got the, the, the fight in them still. And, and Curzon Ashton have got to be looking over their shoulders now. You know, they started the season quite brightly, but but the, the winds have really dried up for them of late. And I think they had a, a couple of decent results. They certainly got, they got, they were the first team to beat York City, but that hasn't really been a springboard for them. And yeah, they've got to be looking over their shoulders now. As are maybe Gloucester. Would you say Gloucester? I mean, Kidderminster probably will get out of it, as as will Kettering. But Gloucester, are, they're not on the, the best run either, are they? I mean, they, uh, they lost at Darlington on Saturday. And I know Telford beat them over Christmas as well, didn't they? They did as well. I'm just having a look in the form table here. I think there's only their their win against Lamington on New Year's Day. I think was only their second win in ten games, and then there's only three draws in there. So yeah, Gloucester. It's not going especially well under new manager James Rowe at the moment. They brought in um, some experience at the back. They they picked up Liam Daly when he was released by Solihull Moors. Quite a um, almost kind of a marquee signing at, at this level. And I think no, there are other clubs interested in him, but it's not had the effect of, of it's not translated into results yet for Gloucester. And yeah, it's you're at that stage of the season where anybody who thinks that they're perhaps too good to get involved in a relegation battle could soon find themselves in a relegation battle. So yeah, they need to start picking up some points soon. Rob James Rowe, somebody you know really well. He was assistant to Gary Wad- Gary Waddock at Aldershot last season, and a bit of a surprise that he's taken the Gloucester job. But also, how do you think he'll do in the long term? Interesting one that because um, yeah, I, I I don't know I don't know how much of a surprise it is. I guess. If he was going to get a managerial opportunity, um, having been an assistant manager at the National League, it was likely to come at National League North or National League South level. Um, as far as the opportunity he's got at Gloucester, well, I know when he joined them, he was, uh, you know, he was impressed by their ambition as a club. Um, I guess their immediate ambitions, boys, have got to simply be to make sure they stay in the National League North this season. Um, as, as you guys just been talking about, um, I think there's six points as it stands off of the relegation places. There's a little bit of a cushion, but it's not much. And it's certainly not much when uh, you've won just two of your last 10 games. I don't think James Rowe's been in charge for, for all of those, but um, he's finding it tough early on. I guess um, he would have played a key part in putting the squad together at Aldershot with Gary Waddock. Here he's come in. Um, inheriting a squad, he's got to work with that. He's got to decide who he thinks is up to it, who isn't, who he's got to move out, and then obviously who he can get in as well. It might take time, um, and I would have thought sustain, um, some stability will be Gloucester's key target for this season. And then perhaps James Rowe, uh, if he likes it and they like him, can push on next. In mid table are uh, Alfreton. Chris and Dickie had a nice little uh, get together on New Year's Day. It finished Alfreton 1, Telford 1. And Alverton followed that up with a 2-0 win at Curzon, as we mentioned, who are now looking over their shoulder. But after that game on New Year's Day, Chris caught up with the Alverton manager, Billy Heath. Joined by Billy Heath after Alverton's one-all draw with Telford. Some of your thoughts on that, Billy? Disappointed we're losing the goal so early, but I thought the reaction after it was really good. I thought for the next really for the next period of the first half, I thought we were on top. I thought we asked a lot of questions. Um, second half. Didn't get the second goal, got the reaction, got the goal, didn't get the second goal and I thought the second half it was really more of a war of attrition than anything else. There was a lot of tired legs on both sides, that the Christmas period's unforgiving when you know when you're part time it, it's so difficult. Mm. Everybody's got, you know, it's not just the games, everybody's got family, everybody's got places to go and everything else that's involved with it. And there was a lot of tired bodies. There's a lot of tired bodies and like I say with our injuries at the minute, we don't have a lot of options at the minute, but the main thing was that we got something from the game because I think you know, a couple of weeks ago we probably wouldn't have got anything from the game but we've toughed it out and, and we've got something from the game. 
I mean, how pleased were you that you hit back so soon? It was really important. They started well, didn't they? Yeah, we just started well. We're just disappointed the way we've conceded the goal because we defend the we defend the first the first ball into the box. We defend it well. We clear it. We clear it, and then we're disappointed because the boy gets it on the edge of the box. Well, gets it sort of like 35 yards out, and and he has a touch, and then he has another touch to set, and he fires it, and he can do that, and and that's disappointing. But it was massively important to get ourselves back in again. We we know at this level the first game is hugely important at this level. It, it, it shapes a lot of games when you can, you know, when you score the first goal, when you concede the first goal. So to get back into the game that quick. And then we dominated. Like I said, the, the performance was 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 adequate. The performance was 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 a decent performance. Was we ever going to reach the standards of Kings Lynn? No, we couldn't. The turnarounds too quick. But we're pleased. Like I say, we're pleased we got something from the game. And so important as well. Two points in the last couple of games. You've stopped that that run of, uh, of defeats. How can, what are you looking forward to in, in 2020? How are you, how are you looking at the rest of the season? Keep players fit. <laughs> That's all I'm interested in, to be honest. It's been horrendous. It's been horrendous. The past, the past, the past two, two and a half, three has just been horrendous. We've got, we've had so many players injured, and and I know, I know, you know, I know it will say a manager again about injuries, but when you've got such a tight squad, and when you've got six, you know, you've got five or six players out at one point, which are all, you know, going to start games for you, and this hasn't been going on, you know, we. We've we've played we've played young kids that have never played in the conference north before. They've had to start games. Never mind come off the bench and introduce. They've had to start games, and and that that's no coincidence of where where you know we we we've, we've dropped from where we've dropped from. It's not it's not it's not the only factor, but it's a huge huge factor. When, and that's the only thing I'm looking for is to try and hopefully the the look not the look but the tidal turn with injuries. And if we can get some key players fit. Then, then, then we'll be, a, you know, we'll be a force again. But you saw today, Josh Wild, Killer, you know, Dom Smith, David Lynch, deal with them. <laughs> the list goes on. It's just, and this is what it's been for like three, two and a half weeks. Uh, sorry, two and a half months. This yeah. has been going on. You know, Josh Wild's not kicked a ball for, for, for nearly. I didn't realise it's nearly three months. Josh Wild, he's our skipper. He's our, he's, he's, he's our, you know. Tomo's only just come back from like literally four months. It's not. It's his, it's his third. I think it's his second start. I think it's his third. third literally third. But all I, all I'm, all I want is to get players fit and to get some sort of a solid side and a, and a settled side. Because when we had that beginning of the season, it was there for all to see. Now what I will say, the players have been magnificent. You know, the, the, it's not for the want of trying with this group. You can't question that. It's not. We've we've made. Some big mistakes are just of late. Players have made mistakes. Players, we haven't been as good. Forms dipped a little bit. Confidence drains out of a team when you're losing games. But it will not be for the want of trying with this group because they're an honest group. Good luck with that, then, Billy. And that was Billy Heath, and he was he was quite chipper, wasn't he, in the end, Dickie? And they had a good start to the season. They've just dropped off, and they're now comfortably mid-table. And I think they'll be looking to obviously push up a little bit. But I think if you offered Billy Heath that. To a top 10 finish now, he'd snap your hand off, I think. Uh, I think he would. He, he might hope that they might be able to do a bit better than that and sort of regain some momentum. But yeah, that win yesterday over Kurz Nashton is only their, their second win in their last 10 games. And I think there's something like six or seven uh, defeats in there as well. So they, they've had a poor run of form. Managed to get it going again a bit yesterday at Kurz Nashton. A goal from Ari Morgan Smith, who then was subsequently sent off for a second bookable offence. So he's going to serve a, a one game suspension for that. Bobby Johnson made it safe really late on for them with uh, a goal in thinking the, the dying minutes of the game. Um, but yeah, Alfreton, having started so well, they've 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 endured a fairly difficult time, and I think I think the draw with Telford on New Year's Day was something like their first point at home in five games. So it's not even as if the Impact Arena has, has proven to be anything of a fortress. While home, while away form has dropped away, um, they, they've just not been able to get it done wherever they played. So just the final two games to look at, mainly mid-table battles, but. Uh... Altrincham continue their good form with a win at Leamington, don't they, Dickie? Yes, they did. That's a, a fourth win out of four over the Christmas period for Altrincham, and I think they've jumped up to twelfth as a result. They've got some games in hand on the other teams around them as well because of their 
FA Cup and FA Trophy involvements and a, a couple of postponements. So, you know, they, they can be looking up and, and fancying themselves perhaps at a late run at those playoff places, as a number of teams are. Um, uh, you know, it's a really, really good Christmas period for Altrincham. Yeah, and the other game was Gates said to Hereford nil. That keeps Hereford in mid-table. They haven't had a great Christmas either. Gates said have had a bit of an up-and-down period so far and... Would you expect Gayshead to have done a bit better, Dickie? Because they have got a lot of the squad that played there last season. Um, yes, perhaps so. And I think, as uh, if I might be right in saying, I think Gayshead are still full time as well. So yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So I think perhaps we would have expected them to be um, a little bit higher up than they are. They they had a they had a win against Spennymoor over the Christmas period. I know, um, and a kind of consolidated that with one yesterday but I think it's inconsistency with Gateshead is uh, is a bit of the issue really. Hereford well they've dropped away really badly since the start of the season I think they, they had a good start and they were up and around the edge of the playoff places but um, Russell Slade's appointment doesn't seem to have uh, provided uh, any kind of it's difficult to know which direction Hereford are headed in they're obviously going downwards in the table but, but I think Fans there are probably a bit concerned um, over maybe think maybe some other recruitment as well, and 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 are just struggling to see which direction Hereford as a club are heading in at the moment. Um, I should mention on the Lamington one as well. When we spoke about altering, I'm just coming back to that one quickly. Um, there'll be a development this week around Lamington because they made an announcement yesterday that they've accepted an offer from a football league club for their top scorer, Josh March. Um, they didn't release details of who the club was, and it was subject to negotiations. But assuming that's all completed he's going to become an EFL player before the end of the month and we've spoken before about Paul Holleran's remarkable record of um, finding forwards and getting them into the football league I think Colby Bishop was his last one who's banging them in the Packers and Stanley this season and looks like Josh March could be heading on the same path March to move on in January indeed uh, forward March that was another one I thought of but there we go <laughs> <laughs> there we go. On on, the, on that bombshell, we'll, we'll move on to the National League South shortly. How are you? How are you really? Modern life's busy, but it's important to take care of yourself. Making small changes to your lifestyle now could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. See how you score on our How Are You quiz and get free tips and support from how to eat a little healthier to getting more active. Just search One You. Hi, I'm Harry Wheeler, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So, in the National League South, a rather surprising result at the top of the table, and probably result of the day goes to Oxford City, who beat Wheelstone by three goals to two, and a lot of experience in that Oxford City side. You had Joe Osler and Elliot Bengen amongst the goals, and then the winner came from Finn Tap, which sounds like a remarkably little sort of micro-pub, but there we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they did the damage, and it left it left Wheelstone feeling a bit punch-drunk, I think. Yeah, good start yesterday for Oxford City. As you say, they've got some experience. Good to see Joe Osler on the score sheet. But uh, Wheelstone, having got themselves on the hour mark back into it, and then pulled things level... Uh, with still some 20-odd minutes to go, you'd have thought there'd only be one winner in that game. But uh, it proved to be uh, City who went on to win it. Uh, I don't know if it was a tap-in or not. I'm sure you were dying to get some sort of pun there. Oh. <laughs> but, um, no, precious three points for Oxford, this City. They're, they're nicely up there now, aren't they? They're in 12th place and they're just four points off the, the playoffs now. Whereas earlier in the season, they've been looking over their shoulder a little bit and uh, a little bit of a setback uh, for Wilston but uh, they weren't the only one in the top three to suffer a setback yesterday were they um, I'm sure we'll get on to it very soon just behind them as you say Rob Slough and Haven and Waterlooville failed to take advantage as did Dark and it was a real strange day in the National League South on Saturday it was and uh, as we'll come on to Bath City and uh, Weymouth took full advantage of that, and to some extent, Dartford as well. But just picking them off one by one. Um, the big game, I think, in the division yesterday, certainly on paper, was uh, uh, Haven and Waterlooville at home to Maidstone. And the likes of Wilston and Bath would have been looking over their shoulder, looking at how many games Haven and Waterlooville have got in hand. And they'd have been relieved to see them slip up yesterday to a Maidstone United side, which is just outside the playoffs. And we said recently how they should be in it. Well, they're on their way to being in it if they continue to get good results like that. It'd be a can-be with both goals 
for Maidstone yesterday. He's not a striker I've seen play before. I think he came up from Whitehawk uh, and haven't little, haven't getting back into it late on, but uh, too little, too late for them. Precious three points for Maidstone, uh, winning the battle, if you like, of the the pre-season favourites for this division. Yeah, that was probably the the biggest game of the day in the league, and it was Maidstone who came out on top and. Well, actually, it's funny, again, uh, when Tom was with us on the last pod, he said that Maidstone were kind of underachieving, but that's a massive win for Hack and Heret in there, and, and, and they'll be sniffing the playoffs again. They will, and, uh, you know, taking full advantage of, uh, of having a Waterloo, Bill and Wilson, slips with Bath City, but they actually left it late. Um, they played Billy Ricky, and it was one all going into the 90th minute. But uh, Ross Stern got the winner for Bath. A fantastic goal, big moment for them. Just under a thousand at Bath, and those, those three points just put them in a much stronger position because they have played more games than anybody else there. But they're in uh, second place, clear now by four points. If we go any further in the National League South, I know he'll be listening. He'll be thinking, "Come on, come on! You're going to mention it soon. You're going to mention it soon." We're not going to mention if any players in the National League South yesterday happened to score a goal in their own half for the fourth time in their career. We didn't notice it, did we, boys? No, no. No, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's gone viral, though. Uh, all right, then. We'll mention him. Well done, Scotty Davis. We've been complaining about his lack of goals and uh, finally comes up with one from within his own half. I think the total distance on his goal yesterday was the, uh, was, was the total distance of all the goals I scored in my career put together. Huh. Brilliant! I, t- I, t- I tell you what, it's a uh, it's a good job he he wasn't on the podcast this week because we won't be able to shut him up. I'm guessing. <laughs> well done, Scotty. But it's a point only for Slough, isn't it? That's the other key thing from that game. He put them ahead, but Eastbourne Borough, aside, they would have perhaps looked to get the three points against yesterday. Came back and got themselves uh, a second half equaliser to Will. Yeah, big uh, big point that for Eastbourne Borough. There was an interesting transfer in the National League South this week, so we got our beady detective magnifying glasses out and sent Rob on the case. I'm joined on the line now for the NL full-time podcast by former Aldershot uh, and, and Whitehawk player Nick Arnold, who's been uh, playing his part in a, in a pretty successful season so far at Wildston in the National League South. Um, and some surprise news, Nick, uh, breaking over the last uh, couple of days about uh, a move from yourself uh, to Dartford. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, just um, all happened on Friday afternoon. Um, got a call from got a call from the Wilson manager saying that um, Dartford Dartford are interested in signing me. Um, sort of been out to score a couple of games in a row for for Wildstone. Not sure what happened from the sort of start of the season to, to being in that position, but I thought it was. Um, Sort of a good time to move, go and sort of link up with Steve King again down down at Dartford. They're on a good run of form, so I thought it would be a good time to sort of um, move on. Yeah, and um, obviously a few familiar faces there, certainly at the moment anyway. Luke Wanadio and uh, Mark Smith, who you were at Aldershot with, and uh, and Jacob Berkeley adjapong uh, down there for, for, for a loan period as well. Yeah, it's always good to move to a club where you know people, you know, it, it, it makes the dressing room sort of feel a little bit more homelier than, than if you walked into one that you didn't know anyone. Um, but sort of going in yesterday, sort of, um, before the game, and also sort of polite and, and introduce themselves. And um, obviously Jacob and, and Luke and, and Smudge sort of helped me through sort of <laughs> introducing them to the boys and stuff and, and telling them what I'm about. So it was... Um, yeah, it was a good sort of first day, really. Was you involved on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, we got a got a good sort of three-two win away at Dorking. Um, sort of, it was a 98th minute winner. I think we got in the end um, a penalty. I was involved for sort of the first couple of goals as well, which was which was a nice start to the to the game. So um, yeah, we we had a good win. Um, sort of the, the boys are doing really well at the moment. Um, from what sort of Steve was telling me on the phone as well, and, and looking at their results. So definitely a good sort of time to come into the club. Um, when they're on a sort of good run and, and hopefully I can help them continue it. And not just on a good run, but beating a team that were on a very good run in Dorking. How impressed have you been with uh, how the likes of Dorking and Weymouth have come up into this league and uh, really settled well, strong uh, front runners? Yeah, definitely. I've played Dorking a few times now this season, a couple of times with Willstone. Um, 
and um, play Weymouth and both, both of them teams sort of play really good football and they, they just come out with sort of no fear, you know, that they've come up to that, this division with, with sort of no fear at all, wanting to sort of take big teams on and, and, and take it to them and, and I've been really impressed with how they've gone about it and done it and um, and, and sort of good luck to them, them in the future but uh, yesterday, yeah, we, we got one over Dawkins with um, that late minute winner and um, I think overall, to be honest, in the game we did deserve to win. They, they got a good couple of goals second half to get back in the game, but we did we did kick on to um, win the game. But yeah, credit to um, the teams that are coming up and um, they're giving it a right sort of good go this year. And did you bump into your old mate and mine, Jake Gallagher, yesterday? Yeah, yeah, got to have a nice little chat with him. Um, it's always good to catch up with Jake. He's such a top lad. So um, yeah, it was a really, it was a really nice, really nice catch up. Um, he's doing really well down there. He's playing a lot of games and stuff. His brother's down there as well. So you know what um, the team's going to be like with two Gallagher's in the middle of the park. It's so <laughs> going to be hard to beat. Yeah, um, bit of a wonder but, uh, wall, if yeah. you'll excuse the pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, <laughs> definitely. But um, no, it was really good to see the pair of them. And uh, final point, I must talk to you about because you and I. Of uh, some of the listeners might not know, we've spent many a long hour together uh, commentating on all the shot games when you were out for the the best part of two seasons. I know there's been a change of team now, but just how good is it to be playing football again week in week out, Nick? Yeah, I mean it's it's over the moon, you know. But I'm dying to get back out on the pitch. I mean, two years is such a sort of long time after a couple of operations and things and a couple of setbacks on the way. It's such a such a shame having to do it such a good uh, such a good club like Aldershot I mean we had such a good sort of first year there and, and I wanted to kick on you know and yeah it was it was a tough time going through that with um, a couple of years out but yeah, as you say I just wanted to get back out on the pitch and, and join a good side of Wilstein playing every game felt really good um, obviously what's happened happened now unfortunately but um, now I'm at Dartford hopefully I can sort of carry that on kick on and, and, and stay, on, stay fit stay healthy and, um, and get some more cans under my belt. Oh, fantastic. Well, I know, and we've known on the NL full-time podcast team for a long time just how canny Steve King is, and he's very, very good at assembling, uh, uh, assembling good players together and getting the results out of that team. And uh, uh, we think he's got an absolute steal with yourself there, Nick. Good luck for the rest of the season. Stay fit and enjoy your football. Thank you very much. Cheers, Rob. Appreciate it. And that was Nick Arnold, and what an eventful game that was down there at Darkin in the end. Yeah, an eventful game there and an eventful few days for Nick. Uh, it was a real surprise to me to see that he'd moved on because um, he was back playing regularly again and played his part in uh, Wilson's successful season so far. But it just shows that uh, things can change very, very quickly for football. And uh, for Nick, uh, he's now you know, got a much better chance of playing regularly and playing for a manager who believes in him. And uh, they're on a good run as well. And the, net, the management now that he's got, that Steve King, will get Dartford in the playoffs this season. A great job being done by Mark Moser as well, somebody else who you know well, Rob, and uh, they got another good win. Yeah, very much. They're staying in the picture. They're probably not quite threatening to be title, uh, to push for the title, but they do look a good bet for the playoffs, Weymouth. A good win away from home on Saturday, albeit at Welling, who... Uh, uh, are probably the bottom of the form table at the moment in the National League South. They had to be quite patient uh, with uh, sort of 18 minutes left. It was still square one all, but goals from McCoy and McCarthy in those uh, final 20 minutes secured the three points for for Weymouth, who sits sick at the moment, just below the likes of uh, Weymouth and Dartford in the National League South table, just outside the playoffs. Chelmsford and Hamill, they seem to have eternally been playing each other in this division. Uh, on this occasion, it was Chelmsford who came out on top. Pretty quiet first half, then Weltdale gave Chelmsford the lead. Ashford levelled for Hamel Hempstead. But just two minutes later, that man, Sam Higgins, got the winning goal for Chelmsford. And uh, that elevates them above Hemel in the uh, league table. They're ninth now. Hemel tenth, one point behind them. And then you've got that run of three teams, Concord, Oxford and Hampton Borough, Richmond, all on. 33 points. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned about Welling's farm. I mean, they're actually th- the third bottom now and they're only being kept out of the bottom two on goal difference. So they've had a re- dramatic sort of fall over the last few weeks. And if, say, Albans can win win a game and, and Welling slip up again, then Welling will be in the bottom two, which is quite surprising, really. Tombridge have gone 
above them now and also Hungerford are not that far behind them either. Yeah, there's some uh, ding-dong games yesterday in that division, particularly at the bottom end. So Tunbridge Angels coming out 3-2 winners over uh, Chippen and Town and then uh, a real humdinger involving uh, St Albans and uh, Hungerford Town. St Albans two up by the break. Hungerford got themselves back in it through uh, Graham and then got a 90th minute equaliser. That effectively took two points off of St Albans and it would have felt like a win to uh, Ian Herring yesterday until he went into the dressing room and saw the other scores. Yeah. And uh, um, really, you know, now looking at the, uh, uh, the the National League South table at the bottom end, they're actually worse off than they were prior to Saturday's game, but certainly better off than they would have been if they hadn't got that 90th minute equaliser. Yeah, no, a fantastic when biggest winners of the day were Dulwich Hamlet. We we spoke about them last week, saying how they were struggling, but they won six nil over Braintree and two goals for Shamir Mullins amongst all the other scorers. Yeah, just what Shamir uh, Mullins needed uh, to go and smash a couple of goals in just a two in twenty two for Aldershot this season. Um, he slipped kind of out of the uh, reckoning over the last uh, month or six weeks as the side had picked up improved form, and he just wasn't getting much. Uh, much game time, so uh, a really, really good start for him yesterday uh, with Dulwich Hamlet, and it, and it seems to have given them a real lift as well. They've started to pull away a little bit with, from trouble, haven't they, with uh, a couple of wins the last couple of weeks. And a good win for Hampton and Richmond Borough at Concord Rangers, and a friend of the podcast, uh, Danilo Orsi Dodomo, got the second goal there. Well, Rob, thanks very much for joining us. Pleasure as always, boys. Cheers, and Dickie, thank you. We'll see you soon. You're very welcome, Luke. Yes, yeah, see you soon. Thank you. And that is all for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at NLFullTime or email us NLFullTime at gmail.com. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll, uh, we'll speak to you all very soon.